This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What is happening, gang? We are jacked about this special episode of the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling. In today's episode, we're going to take a look back at one of our first episodes on the pod, the decision Bill had to make between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf at the head of the draft. This is one of the most important decisions in NFL history. It was truly, truly a complex time. So what we wanted to do was highlight some of the moments from that episode to harken back to some of the important factors that went into this decision. Obviously, we just got through a really, really fun 2022 NFL draft, and we'll be back here in a couple weeks to dive deeper into the draft. But in the meantime, we wanted to take a minute and talk about this draft in particular and what went into all of the decisions in Bill's mind in terms of was Peyton a safer bet? Did Ryan Leaf have higher potential upside in terms of what he might become as a player? This is truly a unique look into one of the most complex decisions in the NFL. It's also kind of fun to get a vibe from Bill in terms of how the decision-making process was. And we'll look back at this segment of the episode in terms of what really went into the decision. Was it mainly about the character issues? Was it mainly about the football? How much did some of the measurables weigh into it? It's a unique window into one of the things that I've always wanted to know in terms of how do you truly evaluate drafting a quarterback at the top of the NFL draft. But before we dive into today's show, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. Bet Online is one of our favorite, favorite platforms. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season NFL futures. And don't forget, this weekend, as the run to the roses is on at the Kentucky Derby, BetOnline is your continued source for all your favorite sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v promo code believe one more time b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online it is where the game starts all right gang this is our revisit of one of the most consequential decisions in the nfl this is our look at peyton manning versus ryan leaf at this like even from uh kind of like a 
the standpoint, it really just came down to you guys deciding, hey, we need a quarterback. This is the direction we're going to go. And then it disseminates into which one do we want. Well, like. that, that, that's the final piece in the puzzle. After okay. you've gone through all of this, all of the psychological testing, all of the medical testing, all of the measurable testing, height, weight, speed, et cetera, uh, and, and, and all of the measurement of how a player plays on the field, which makes up the scouting report, which, by the way, is about a computerized, you know, four pages when it's all said and done. Um, and, and we read from that. Right. Then the first thing you do is put them in the appropriate rounds, right? Let's talk first round only. You put them in a round. And then the next thing you do is grade them within the round. We're right at the end now. The management group has gotten together. Right. And now we're going to grade them in the round. So you've got a quarterback. You've got a pass rusher. You've got a running back. You've got a wide receiver. You've got a couple, couple of tackles. So the first thing you do is grade them as players. So within the first round, it would, you know, player, the offensive tackle could be player one. Right. We actually stacked them within the round so you could see where they ranked. The The board was very visual for a couple of reasons. One, it's easier to operate on game day, uh, on, on draft day that way, which is game day for the personnel right. department. And, and secondly, when Jim or other people who had reason to see the board came in, they could understand very quickly what was going on. And Jim could understand on draft day – exactly what was going on because he could see it right in front of him. Right. This is the decision-making process. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is yeah. all the stuff that yeah. we're Yeah, this is how – we're, we're not going to trade um, the, that pick in the, uh, in the first round that we have a first-round grade on for a fifth and a sixth. I don't care what the chart says. Look at the board. Now, also, we're getting really deep in the weeds here, so if I'm not making myself clear – Stop yep. me, please. Rick will uh, slam his fist into the table. <laughs> Dictator style. The, the, um, in any given first round, and the television guys are just beginning to realize this, you don't have 32 first round grades. God didn't make that many. Maybe you have 24. No. 12. The average is 20. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, the average is 18. Excuse yeah. me. The average yeah. is 18. Now, 32 teams with 18 first-round grades, they're going to be different players. Mm -hmm. So in the end, you might end up, we think mathematically, and we did all this after the – we did all these studies after the draft to make sure that our system worked. Um, we think mathematically that you can at, at 24 or 25 you might luck into a first the guy that you had first on the board particularly if you run an offensive or defensive system that's kind of unique right um, but after that it, they're truly second rounders which is why you see Bill Belichick whose system is somewhat similar to ours because Dominelli worked with him in Cleveland uh, why you see him trade down a lot. Because his reason is not because he wants to accrue picks. It's because he realizes that he's going to get the same player at 36 that he's getting at 26. 
and he can pick up a third to do it. And getting value. And getting value, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, When you're making a decision like that, it, that is sort of from a, a, a general qualitative standpoint in terms of this is the kind of guy you could get. Are there, are there sort of anticipatory uh, concepts or reckonings in terms of if I do this here, there is a guy down there I really want, but they're more likely to take him. Or is there a chess match in terms of trying to anticipate what other people people do once you get into that point where it's a bit more fungible? Well, I guess to follow on to that just a little mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. specifically to this draft, you had a quarter. You guys were quarterback hungry. You had Arizona who didn't need a quarterback. San Diego probably needed a quarterback, and then it was sort of a smorgasbord after it. How does that impact, just specific even to this one of sort of the complexity of when two doesn't need a quarterback and everybody values the quarterback so highly, how does that throw off the trade algorithm from a draft perspective in that sense? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, quarterbacks change the, the whole picture. They're different. Uh, they're anomalous. So let's talk about quarterbacks to begin with. First of all, if you have a quarterback and you're in position to draft him, meaning you're probably one, two, or three in a given, in a given draft in these days, um, go get him. Don't don't hesitate. Just no matter what happens, somebody's coming up to get. No matter, yeah, pull the trigger. Right. If if you are at eighteen or nineteen or twenty two or wherever Andy was uh, in, in the Mahomes draft, then you have to put together the ammunition to get up to where you think he might go, and that takes a lot of doing in terms of creating the ammunition and then doing the work before the draft to lay the groundwork for the trades. And then you don't make the trade until the player's on the clock because you don't want to give up all that ammunition if he's gone to somebody else. And that happens fairly frequently. You can have a trade all but made, and then bingo, the guy goes right in front of you. And now you got a mm-hmm. not, mess. Now you, well, it's not a mess. You just but, go back yeah. to square one. You know you who you're going to your take. And you just follow exactly. Our mantra, we had a number of mantras. Uh, which the guys that work for us now repeat, and, and it's kind of fun to hear them repeat it. Let the board speak to you. Mm-hmm. Let the board speak to you. You know, it'll tell you who to take. If you've done all the work, it'll tell you who to take. But with a quarterback, that's different. You got to go get them because they're valued so highly that they're going to be drafted well above. Where, where they should have been. You know, RG3 should never have been drafted where he was if you just compared him as a player to somebody else. But the position itself carries a premium. So it's you, too valuable. It's yeah. too valuable. You go pay it. So at any point in the process, did anybody call you about trying to get to one in that draft? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina called, and, and actually the ironic thing was Dom was doing the calling. He was at Carolina <laughs> yeah. at the time, Dom Vanilli. And they offered uh, Kerry Collins and half the team for the rights to Peyton. Right. Uh, and, and it was tempting. It was tempting. Like how much did you think about it? I thought about it a fair amount. Mm-hmm. I thought about it a fair amount. And Dom, to his credit, did his job. He didn't editorialize. He just said, here's the deal. And in fact, I said to him, what do you think about it? He said, I can't talk about it. You know, it just, it, which was right. He was absolutely right. Um, and uh, after the fact, when he got with us, he said, I would have killed you if you made the deal. <laughs> yeah, that would have been... Well, cause where was that in proximity? Because obviously uh, San Diego moves up to two. Yeah, that's probably in, in, in about five weeks early out. April. Yeah, okay. five, yeah. So um, they were very aggressive. Um, there are a couple other people. Oh, uh, um, 
San Diego wanted to swap. Do you think they wanted to swap to get Leaf? Or no, they, they wanted, wanted Peyton. Peyton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Bobby told me after the fact they wanted Peyton. Right. Uh, what happened? You know, in the lead up, as we were talking about this a lot at the time. You know, Peyton was sort of the front runner for a long time, and then at some point, whether it was just the press or whomever, there was sort of this acceleration of Ryan Leaf. To, well, maybe he's really the guy. What was the genesis of that, and did you ever take that seriously? Well, um, first of all, I don't pay any attention to, and, I, and I, I strive not to pay attention to noise prior to my doing the film work. So I couldn't have told you who the front warner was um, you know, prior to my sitting down and looking at the tape. But as soon as we had our first scouting meeting in Indianapolis, it was clear that there was a 50-50 dichotomy on the scouting staff. 50% had Manning number one, 50% had Leaf number one. The irony was that the 50% who liked Manning didn't dislike Leaf necessarily. They thought Manning was better. They saw some warts on Leaf, but but not many. Um, the guys who disliked Manning kind of disliked him intensely. And I think that mirrored what was going on in the media. Now, there was so much noise once we got to Indianapolis and prepared for the draft that you couldn't avoid it. Before we continue diving deeper into this consequential decision in the NFL draft of Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf, we want to talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod. That's Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you looking for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real-life NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. This is a really amazing, unique thing because it's super easy in fantasy to be able to go out and just draft everybody that you possibly want and sort of annihilate your friends with your football knowledge. This sort of eliminates it in the sense of you've really got to participate in the same way NFL GMs do in terms of adhering to the cap. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future, and the nice part about it, you got to think years in advance. How important rookies are. All of those components really factor into Dynasty Owner. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create the Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and get started on building your dynasty. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you could try as you might to it's block here, it out. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was in the ether. The ship has sailed. Exactly. Yeah, was, we're now pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, you're walking down the hall from the from from, from getting a a, a, a <laughs> pop at the at the soda machine, and somebody in the bookkeeping department says, "Who do you like better?" Right, yeah. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. But yeah. so, had you done any quarterback evaluation in Carolina prior yeah, to coming? Yeah, I, I had. Yeah. So did you have a sense kind of going into? Oh, this I had. A, yeah, I saw Peyton play um, three times because they had a tight end that we that. Um, the previous year because they had a tight end that we drafted and who, who played well for us for about seven or eight years at uh, at, at Tennessee. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I saw him play against Mississippi twice because okay. the tight end was at Mississippi. And um, um, I had seen him live twice his senior year, including when he beat Kentucky. That came from behind to beat Kentucky there right. and famously led the band in Rocky Top after the game. Right. Um, so I knew a lot about him. Didn't know as much about Ryan. I'd seen Ryan play 
I believe, once, maybe twice. Um, so I had more work to do on Ryan. But with this 50-50 split on the, coach, on the scouting staff, what I said was, okay, tell you what, I'm going to go back to square one. You guys go back to doing what you do, getting ready for the rest of the draft, which I will implicitly trust you with, and I'm going to go back and look at every pass both of those guys threw throughout their college careers. Now, in those days, we didn't have cut-ups the way we do now. Really yeah. Yeah. It was not easy. It was a process. It wasn't yeah. the 15 seconds. And I went to our video guy and <laughs> said, I need every pass Peyton Manning threw and every pass. What did his face look like? It, like it, his eyes got wide. Yeah. He said, you mean this year? I said, I, I, no, in their entire careers. Oh, he said, I don't know if I can do <laughs> that. I said, well, he got to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he did, to okay. his credit, yeah. he did. And, uh, and I went back and looked at it all. I had Tom Moore look at it all, who was our offensive coordinator. I'm sure Jim Morrow looked at it all. Now, Jim knew Peyton really well because – The New Orleans. He, the New Orleans connection. Right. Yeah, he knew Archie well. Mm -hmm. He knew Peyton well. He, I, I think he'd seen Peyton play in high school, if I'm not mistaken. And so Jim was – I mean, he was trying very hard to be objective, but, but it, it was <laughs> harder for him than it might have been for me because I didn't have any real connection to Peyton. Right. You know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So you see you see every throw. Uh, you can judge. The one thing you can't really judge is arm strength, at least for me. That's, I think it's my failing. I've been around evaluators who can. Um, and I'm getting better at it as time goes by, but I was not real good at it then. I had to see it live. What do they look for in watching on tape? Well, on tape. On tape, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're looking for processing. How quick does he get the ball out of his hands? How accurate is he? How well does he read defenses? How well does he react to pressure? If the play has to be extended, how well does he do it? Does he panic? Does he take sa uh, sacks? Um, how, does he, how does he read defenses and what does he go through progressions? But that really when it's all boiled down, what you're looking for is processing speed, poise, Speed of delivery and and accuracy. Arm strength is not terribly dispositive. Okay. It's, I mean, you can have an average arm, which Peyton did, and be fine. Right. Um, but you can't have a weak arm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a weak arm, that limits what you can do. Um, ironically enough, um, after I finished that process, and after Bruce Aarons and Tom Moore had finished the process. We all were trending pretty heavily toward Peyton. Although it wasn't, in my mind, I was, I was going to try and play the devil's advocate. I was going to make sure that we turned over every stone. Um, so I said to Jim Ursay, would you mind if I asked Bill Walsh to take a look at the tape? He said, no, not at all. So I called Bill, who was then out of football, I think. And uh, or he may have been in Stanford. I can't remember which, but I think he was out at the moment. And I and I said, you know, would you would you mind looking at the film for us? He said, no, not at all. So we sent him the tape, and he went through it, and he came back unequivocally, Peyton, between right. the two. Now I think he was later quoted as saying that he might have taken Brian Greasy. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether he said that tongue in cheek or or because it was a better fit for his offense. 
But he was clearly, to him, he, he gave us a very thorough report, and, and Peyton clearly was the guy. Well, I think Peter King had done something where he had actually gotten in touch with six general managers or sort of thought leaders in the NFL and sort of pieced it together. And I think out of that Peter King article, that's when Bill Walsh said yeah. that Greasy probably was a better fit. Maybe you get more assets trading down. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, right. Yeah, I think right. what he was thinking was you could trade down from one, maybe get Charles Woodson, get a second, maybe get the third that you replaced. But you didn't have that luxury because you didn't have a third-round pick. And that's Greasy correct. probably was going to be gone. Yep. So yeah. – were there things as you went down that that sort of the Ben Franklin balance sheet there and the pros and the cons? Was there conflict in that uh, Ryan was better at certain things and Peyton was better, but but Peyton had more good things or he or the things that he wasn't as good at, he was less bad at than Ryan? Or how did how did what was the calculus? Well, don't forget that the the, the process from thirty thousand feet it, it involves three things. One is the physical. How does the guy actually play the game? The next is the emotional and psychological, and then then the third is the physical, the, the the medical part of it. There are three parts. Right. Uh, there were no medical problems with either guy, um, but as the process went on, the clearly, 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 uh, Peyton from the psychological, emotional. Uh, perspective, intelligence perspective, um, was separated himself pretty widely. And all of us in the building, without hesitation, all agreed that for a quarterback to succeed, you can get by with less than great physical skills, but you can't succeed for one minute without great emotional intelligence poise, uh, the, the so-called intangibles. Right. And that's where the spread began and only grew right. over time. Do you think a lot of the fervor was sort of the spookiness of, you know, Peyton never got past Florida, that game against Nebraska in the Orange Bowl did not go particularly well in Tom Osborne's last game. And then Leaf, who didn't have, I guess this is a two-parter in the sense that I think from a fan's perspective, Peyton definitely had the better supporting cast, probably on offense with Peerless Price, Marcus Nash, a freshman in Jamal Lewis. Ryan Leaf had the five receivers, but not high-level talent. And then you you get to kind of the bowl games, and you know had that cl- clock not stopped early, and they get the they get the snap off at the end of the Rose Bowl. You know he's maybe within a play of beating Michigan, and then potentially you know fouling up the whole national championship that year. Well, he had a good Rose Bowl game. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, how many of those receivers that Peyton had went on to good careers in the National Football League? The answer is zero. Uh, you know, Peyton made the receivers, not the other way around. Tom Moore, who's a, who's the greatest football philosopher I've ever come across, said fairly recently when asked about a coach who had who had been around Peyton, he said Peyton made a lot of guys good coaches. <laughs> <laughs> made a lot of receivers good, a lot of coaches. Yeah. Good. Uh, the the. These were the things that were out there that to this day I still can't figure out. So there was – and this, these are all from non-football people. This was all in the media. Number one, he couldn't win the big one. How the hell many games did he win? A ton. A ton. Right. Right? Uh, secondly – And not a lot of teams beat those Florida teams. Yeah, that's correct. Those Spurrier Florida teams yeah. Yeah. were pretty good. Yeah. Secondly, he's a product of the system. To this day, I still haven't figured it out. You know, 
T. Martin had a great year the following year, but you know, is it the system? No, because they didn't exactly play like they did. That's in exactly right. They played in '97. That's exactly with some right. Of T's he made the system for goodness' sake. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you watch tape, you you could see that. It was clear. That's where I got as the process narrowed down. I got a little annoyed because all the noise that we were hearing was clear that the people hadn't watched the tape. They were simply regurgitating what others were telling them. So that was a you know was a a, a, a small pain in the neck. But um, again, brushed it aside, tried not to deal with it. Um, and, and told the scouts and the, and the coaches, don't, don't deal with it. But in truth, um, the physical part of it did not separate until we went to the workouts, which were, as it turned out, were back-to-back, I believe, or, or a day apart. Uh, we went to Knoxville. Jim got us a private plane. We went to Knoxville, took the whole crew. Peyton worked out. Uh, I think he had Nash with him, if I'm not mistaken, among some others. And um, – and the first thing that struck me when he worked out was that he had such a threw such a heavy ball. I mean, he had a good arm. He, the, there was a lot of revolutions on that ball, much more so than I'd seen on film. Which I I told you I, I don't. You got to see that live. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not a good judge of that. Even with 4K, I don't think that's that's happening. On <laughs> yeah. TV. So uh, that was somewhat surprising to me, and, and certainly a positive. So that put that to rest. There's some funny stories that surround that too, which I'll get to in a second. But um, then we went out to work uh, to watch Ryan work out, and uh, and I remember standing next to Tom and saying, and, and Peyton did everything we asked him to do. Tom conducted the workout. Yeah. So how does that workout work? Mm-hmm. So you 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 get there. How much control does the player have? How much control does you know? Well, we would like have? the player to have zero control. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we want it. It's called a private workout. Philip Fulmer agreed to it completely. I, as I remember, recall, he didn't even come to the workout. We went and talked to him afterwards. So do you deal with the coach or the agent to book that? How does yeah, that work? the agent. Okay. And, um, and so Peyton provided the receivers, and, uh, and Tom conducted the workout, and, uh, and Bruce. So he, did, he threw every route we wanted him to throw. Um, he – he interpreted what they were telling him. Uh, they were actually coaching him up, telling him what the routes ought to be. Tom has a drill where he can measure arm strength, where you you, you stand in one spot and you, you don't uh, move your feet. You just throw the ball with your arm, and he keeps moving the receiver back. And Peyton made every throw. Um, and then when we got to Washington State, the agent and Coach Price had decided that they were going to run the work, workout. We were just spectators. Okay. Uh, which was, you know, it's not ideal, but... but how, how often does that happen? Nowadays, quite a bit. Now, because of the advent and televised pro days, it's all orchestrated by the agent, and it's not worth the darn. But that kills you guys from an evaluation. It does. It does. I, actually, as time went on, and the agents or, and, and the coaches, because of recruiting, orchestrated the pro days even more, I wouldn't even go. Mm-hmm. Right. We, and, and we wouldn't send anybody from the executive staff. We just... The area scout would go to get the numbers, and and that's all. Do you think that's the trend that's going to happen now with the combine, with like the Rams and the Broncos not sending scouts? Yes. to the combine this year. The, the television team. show has made it has wrecked. The has, why do we go? So you what know, are you going to do? Like what? watch the tape. Yeah, <laughs> so watch the television show. Right. Get mm-hmm. the numbers. Yeah, that's all. That's all it's good for. Uh, 
can we digress a little? Sure. The combine because it's it's it. Here's the here's the, the combine was formed many many years ago because there were two scouting combines, combinations of teams who shared information. Blesto, which stood for Bears, Lions, Eagles, Steelers, talent organization. The Vikings came and became known as Blesto V. And SIPO, Central Eastern Personnel Organization, which had among uh, its members the Giants, the Redskins, um, the Cowboys, etc. Those organizations had what was called open disclosure. So each club would hire a scout, put him into the organization. The organization was run by a personnel director, the Combine, and then they in turn would provide you scouting data. It was designed to cut scouting costs. As, it, as that process grew, <clears throat> it was thought after consultation with the college coaches that we should do all of the workouts under one roof if possible. The coaches did not want them missing class. Those were in the days where most guys still had a semester to go after the, after the bowl games, right. and graduation rates were becoming an issue. Yeah. So the coaches said, we don't want them leaving campus to go work out 32 different places. And these guys also needed to get jobs. Correct. Yes, correct. That's that part of it. So we said, okay, the combine directors – um, said Jack Butler for Blesto, and I think it was Dick Mansberger for SIPO, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be on that. But they, they said, okay, we'll do an individual combine. SIPO did theirs, if I'm, if I'm correct, in Seattle, and Blesto did theirs in Detroit. And then after a couple of years, the personnel people got together. This was well below the level of general managers. This was the, the, the hardcore personnel people got together and said, why are we doing this, you know, in two separate places? Let's make the coaches even happier. We'll do it over four days in one place. Centralize it. Everybody mm -hmm. will come. And so because the two scouting combines were the driving force, the, 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 the generators of this, it became known in the, in the business as the combine. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the media picked up on it without ever knowing what the mm -hmm. derivation of the word meant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the fact of the matter is that what we see today is an outgrowth of that, but like everything else, it's grown like Topsy and devoured itself. So I remember, you know, in the old days when uh, you still, when SIBO would become national, right? Yep. Um, you would get the the, the, so the small computer printout and then the accordion computer printout on every guy of every right. single thing that ever happened to him. But they still were still trying to outdo one another somewhat. I mean, there's still a bit of a competition, it seemed, as to who had the better information. It wasn't – they didn't share everything, it seemed to me. Oh, no, you, the two the two yeah. competing combines didn't right. share anything. It was just so – but you're Except right. Except the data at exactly. the combine and, itself. And that was where it, it, in, the, in the common parlance – People didn't understand the difference between sort of the physical entity of a combine and the intellectual idea of two information gathering organizations. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. Well, let me backtrack and yeah. Yeah, so finish then, the. Well, here, since we're on it. Yeah. So then going into the combine this year or going into the combine in 98. What 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 were you looking for? Did Manning and Leaf both throw at that combine? Were you able to get neither out of that? Neither goal? throw. But but let me let me okay. let me go back and, and, and give you just 
the final piece yeah. in, in the, the combine workout, what we now know as the combine. It was George Young famously said this, and he was a thousand percent right. If all we got out of the combine were the medicals, that would be enough. And that, in effect, is why it was formed. Right. To make sure that we got thorough and complete medical examinations on every player. And to this day, no player has ever had a medical examination at any school or college he's ever been at that's as comprehensive or as thorough or as accurate as that which he gets at the Combine. And every year, many of which the public never hears about, we discover players with congenital conditions, with chronic conditions that make playing football for them dangerous. Right. And so that that serves its purpose. And George often said, if that's all we got, it's well worth it. So who brings in the medical staff for it? Where, do, where does that come Every from? team mm-hmm. brings so you in bring their in your own medical staff. Yep. But and then you guys don't share any of that info, do you? Uh yes, it's shared. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all of that shared. Yeah. So San Diego's doctor may look at knees. Indiana, Indianapolis's doctor may look at shoulders. Okay. It's a, and sort of all, assembly line kind of and, right. And, you just kind of go down the yeah, line. And all the information is shared. And and then because of the we actually built Lucas Oil Stadium with the combine in mind. So there's a big bull up uh, beneath the house, behind the house area, which which actually accommodates MRI machines and things like that. So unless they need some uh, really sophisticated test, it's all done inside the building in, in, in Indianapolis. So the net net is if you're going to get hurt, Indianapolis is the place to get hurt. No game, question you, about you it. You get an MRI in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So – the medical part is the driving force behind it. Mm-hmm. Then the next most important thing are the measurables. Because <clears throat> even though an area scout does a great job, oftentimes you won't have the ability to measure a guy on campus. You certainly can't run him during the season. The pro day might not be his best day. So you want height, weight, speed, and you want timing on certain drills. Each team values certain drills high, more highly than others uh, by position, but that's okay. It's the measurables that are the next most important thing. So medical, measurables. Now mental becomes the next, the, the, the M is simply a, an alliterative way of saying it. Uh, it. It's psychological, mental. Those are the so-called 20-minute meetings, which in many ways are a joke. But uh, <clears throat> because no psychologist can tell you in 20 minutes right. what a guy is. If they could, it would be a very different field. It would be a different yeah. world, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, the, the – uh, but those are the three most important things. The on-field drills are meaningless. Okay. In my view, meaningless. So none of – you don't really – any of those – If we missed them all tomorrow, it would make a, it would work a damn bit of difference. And it's crazy. I never – in, in 35 years in this business – I have never seen a player upgraded or downgraded based on his combine tape. Okay. Do you think other GMs have? Not many. Okay. Not they many. Lasted long. But it's good for the TV show now. Yeah, I, mean, I think oh, it, it's it great. Makes for, yeah. It's a really good TV you know, show. It's like the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. And one other thing I wanted to mention. <clears throat> Bill Cower called it the underwear Olympics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one thing is a sort of a player's guy for a lot of my career that I, I thought was great was that when you talked about those medical conditions, many of them were undiscovered by the players themselves. Correct. And so, I mean, you save people's 
physicality lives, their lives yeah. in, in doing things. So it's not sort of this crass meat market kind of thing. I mean, it, it really sent, had a real life value for these people. Oh yeah, you mean you hear a story in the media almost every, Montez Sweat last year with the uh, yeah. yeah. Hearts. I mean, there's been there's yeah. almost a player every year at least yeah. from a media public perspective, exactly. fan perspective that comes um, out every And there's year. some that it doesn't come out and but they've yeah. been told. Yeah. Back to the combine now with Ryan and cool. Peyton. Yeah. So we're now in roughly the 1st of March. And so we've done a lot of work. And they're beginning to separate themselves, but the but the meeting itself is going to be pretty important. So do you have a lean going into the combine? Uh, probably, in my mind, lean Peyton, but, but I Not was heavy. trying hard to yep. remain neutral. So uh, Ryan is scheduled to go first because it's done alphabetically. So we show up, we come to our room, uh, we tell him and his agent, you know, where he's supposed to be. Let's call it 7 o'clock, which is when they begin. No Ryan Leaf. 7.05, no Ryan Leaf. 7.10, no Ryan Leaf. 7.20, the horn blows, beep, no Ryan Leaf. So we're thinking to ourselves, what the heck happened? Well, and to paint a picture, you guys are just in an empty hotel room, right? Correct. Yeah, so there can't be anything weirder in the world than yeah. a bunch of football guys. Empty hotel room, guy doesn't show up. With an empty chair. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was it like Ronald Reagan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Clint Eastwood. You just needed Clint yeah. Eastwood there. Yeah, what the are we doing? Yeah. 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 What's going what's gonna to happen? <laughs> so I immediately start reaching out to people trying to find – I get no answer from Lee Steinberg, his agent. And I get a call from uh, one of the beat reporters in Indianapolis who said, Ryan Leaf missed his meeting, correct? I said, yes, that's correct. And he said, well, Lee Steinberg has said that you didn't tell him what time the meeting was supposed to be. Because there's a consistent pattern of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, the better angels of my nature zipped my lip, and I didn't didn't respond to that except to say that's not true, (laughs) but left it at that. Yeah. So I'm not sure— I had a conversation with Mr. Steinberg the rest of the way through the process. It, pro- it it wouldn't have been a good one had we done it. But then he came out in the paper the next day and said Bill Polian gave us didn't give us the right information. It's his fault and so on. So okay. Yeah, this is that's probably on the the flag list if you're doing the uh, whiteboard. The lights are beginning to flash yeah, that's now. That's orange. Right. Red light special at yeah. the NFL Combine. Exactly. Not taking yeah. this one. Exactly. You're yellow now. Yeah. Then you're headed for. Red. Yeah, we're not far. Going and kind of looking at Leaf and Man. When did you make that final final decision, like leading up to the draft, that you were going to go with Peyton? I think the final decision was probably. Um, well, on the flight back from Ryan's workout, I think I said to Jim Mora, unless we find out something that changes the picture dramatically, everything we believe in tells us Peyton. And he said, yes, that's right. And then we went through the rest of the process where we got all the rest of the information in. And as I said, the gap widened. Right. When the so-called intangibles came into play, particularly maturity on Ryan's part, 
and um, and not that he was a bad guy, yeah. but but you know it, there was just a difference between the two. More Peyton was far more ready to take the job and and embrace the job and handle the job, and so I'm guessing maybe ten days or so before the draft, I went into Jim and said it's it's Peyton and and. Jim being Jim said, eh, it's the decision I would have made too. <laughs> <laughs> In total alternate universe time, let's say something had come up on Peyton that had a medical something. Do you think you would have taken Ryan Leaf at one? Boy, that's a good question. Um, probably not. Probably not. Would you go on Woodson, you think? Maybe. Maybe. There was... There were there were enough um, questions with Ryan to think. I don't know if we'd have gone that high. We probably looked to trade out. I think. Right, and then Kerry would have been the quarterback in Indianapolis. Yeah, mm-hmm. the world would be a very different yeah, place. Yeah, that's probably right. Probably right. No, I was just going to say, I you know, I, it's interesting that I, over the course of this, uh, whether it's Tony or or, or Kerry or Ryan, there's some lot of a lot of nice really redemption stories around the league where where guys encounter problems early on but do turn their lives around and become big contributors oh yeah yeah i ran into ryan um about a year and a half or maybe two years ago and i can't recall where but i didn't recognize him because i think he had beard at the time yeah and and he came up and said hello and 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 i said to him at the time i said i'm really glad that after all you've been through um, things have worked out for you. Keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And yep. Keep telling your story because it's a, a great story of redemption and, a, and, a, and I couldn't wish you anything but the best. And I, I sincerely meant it. I mean it now. He's a, he's a really good guy who went through a lot and his story is, is, is really instructive for young people. They can learn a lot from it. Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.